All right, we want to greet everyone in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're grateful to everyone that's here today. And we look forward to sharing with you the things that the Lord have laid on my heart to share. If you have your Bibles, let's go to the second chapter of the book of Malachi. The second chapter of the book of Malachi. We are, today we see some things going on in society that is not according to God's will and according to God's purpose. And uh, if you're not careful, because what you have seen uh, growing up or have seen in society has become the norm to you that you could think that God have adjusted um, his standard to fit the foolishness that's going on today and so what we're going to do uh, I'm going to ask everybody if uh, if you grew up if, if your parents got divorced while you were growing up, I want you to stand up. Or if your parents were not together, either way. Does everybody see that now? Now let me ask this question. If your parents, if you're still sitting down, if your parents were not on one accord growing up, stand up. Everybody see what's going on here now? That's every single adult in here. Only two people could sit down as grown people and say that their parents remained together while they were growing up. And so then all I had to ask was, how many of your parents were not on one accord of the two that's remaining sitting? How many of you stand if your parents were not on one accord when you were growing up? So it was three of y'all, right? Three. And then I could ask how many of your parents were not on one accord growing up. And that, and that took care of the, the other three. Okay, y'all can be seated now. And so then, so does, does everybody see what's taking place now? And so then you, you think along these lines. <laughs> how... What, what is the purpose of that? What is the purpose? You can make the mistake of thinking that the devil only start attacking uh, after people decide to start living for the Lord. Some of your, your parents were not in church, wasn't concerned about church, or whatever the case may be. It did not stop the devil from attacking 
the marriages and the relationships. We know your parents had some kind of relationship because y'all are here. At some point in their life, they had to touch and agree. <laughs> Somewhere. So how is it <laughs> that two people can agree to the point where they are so involved with one another intimately they can agree at that point where, where they, they don't mind seeing each other in the most awkward of awkwardness I guess you could say Does everybody understand? They get along well enough. <laughs> I'm trying to be as nice as I can about it. They can get along naked, but fighting with clothes on. Does everybody understand? There's got to be a devil involved. When, when two people can come together and agree at the most vulnerable time, you see me with no clothes on, I see you with no clothes on, and not be ashamed, and then act ashamed when it's time to agree in, in life. Why is it that you're not fighting when it comes to intimacy? But fighting when it comes to where to eat? <laughs> What's more important? Does everybody understand? There's got to be a devil involved. And so here we, we have the mess that we see today. Well, we have, and that's the name of this message, a cursed generation where from the onset we have been programmed to believe that it's normal for husband and wife to argue, for husband and wife not to get along. And so what it does, when we see the two people that have brought us into this world at odds with one another, coming from two different brains, then what does it do for us as their children but to be double-minded, to not be decisive the way we should be, and to program us that marriage don't mean anything, covenant don't mean anything. We could sleep around, you know, and when it don't work out, oh, well, you just move on to the next. There was a time when parents stuck together for the children's sake. When, and, and not only stuck together, but if there was anything among them that was not agreeable, they did not disagree in front of the children. There was a time when people listened, actually sacrificed for their children. Now ain't nobody sacrificing nothing. It's my life. 
The child is just here because me and mama slipped up one night. How does that make the children feel when husband and wife don't get along, when two people can't get along? Does everybody understand? If you had enough sense to come together and agree in that moment, you, you can agree for the rest of your life. But we live in a selfish generation. A selfish generation. I don't care how jacked up my children turn out to be. I'm going to do me. And let me make this clear. Every relationship is not abusive. <laughs> For those of us that, that you know, because we can throw the rest of it, you know, if something go bad in a relationship, it, then it, it, it can all get tossed under abuse. Well, you're emotionally abusive because you wanted ham and not turkey. It wouldn't let me get my way. Does everybody understand that? You know, we're going to answer to God for this raggedy generation. We're gonna, today you're going to find out you're going to be without excuse. You who have children and are still married, you better sacrifice. Stop living unto self. If you ever come to the conclusion of how jacked up you were, you wouldn't want to put that on your children behind the same selfish motives that your parents had. Does everybody understand? You ain't got to look out in the world somewhere. You know, I, I remember some years ago, I had a conversation with a friend of mine years ago when I lived in Tulsa. And uh, he had had a son, and Taylor had just been born, and we were both sitting there talking in his place. And uh, I asked him, I said, you and your wife, are y'all going to have any more children? And he asked me, you going to have any more? I said, I'm going to have as many as the Lord gives me. I love children. And uh, he said, I don't know if I want any more. And I said, why not? He said, because this world is messed up and I don't want to bring life into it. And when he said that, we both started crying because I understood what he was saying. But listen, since then, I, I, I've thought about that. And I thought the child's life ain't got to be messed up because you're their world. You're the parents. You, you, you can, you're their world. Does everybody understand that? And so you do not have to create a dysfunctional world for your children. When I was growing up, the older people that I knew, we never knew about their problems. We never knew about their problems. We didn't know if they were struggling or not. We didn't know if they were not getting along. We did not know if they could not pay bills. They comforted us. They kept us children. It was a strange thing to us if we saw any adults arguing. That was a strange thing.
we, you know, it was strange to walk into somebody's house as a child and feel tension there. That was not the norm. And I sure enough didn't grow up in a household with that. There was no tension there. My daddy meant what he said, and mama knew it, and that was just that. He was a man when they got married, and she understood that. Does everybody understand that? She meant her vows when she made them. <laughs> Does everybody understand? So there was no, so that was, the, I, and listen, it wasn't that when I was growing up, every woman just lined up and just went along with everything. But they understood, I do not want dysfunctional children. I don't want to jack their world up before they even get started living good. And whatever demons I got, I'm going to keep them to myself. <laughs> so we grew up having a clean slate. Does everybody understand? A clean slate. The, the daughters didn't take on mama's devils and hate authority. And the sons didn't take on daddy's devils, out whoremongering anywhere. And whatever we picked up, they knew it wasn't from it wasn't from them. But today is a new day. Everybody living unto themselves. Does everybody understand that? I, I disagree with your daddy. I don't care if the whole family's sitting here. I'm gonna let you know I don't agree with you. I'm going to teach my daughter to talk back. I'm going to teach my son to be bullish with his wife. Does everybody understand? At some point, you got to start caring about the next generation. If you know you're living hard, if you know you have lived hard, you ought to want to comfort your children. You ought to want to shield them from the foolishness. They're going to have enough of it when they go out and get grown. And right now, you have the opportunity to give them the foundation they're going to need to be able to move and function in this raggedy world. Home ought to be just that, home. A place of peace. Not a place where the children are off in a room covering their ears because they don't want to hear you yelling. Or even, even more so, where they done got used to the foolishness. Does everybody understand? But God is not pleased with this generation. I don't know if he's ever been pleased with any generation, <laughs> but especially this one. You ought to care about your children. And I'm going to tell you, the best way you can care for your children is when you love the person that, you help, that helped you to bring them into this world. That's the best thing you can do for them. Even, I'm not saying that they, they I'm, not I'm not saying we'll love them if they love you. I'm not saying to go get back with them if you're not with them. But I'm telling you, you, you ought to act like one day y'all laid down and made them. You ought to be cordial. 
Because I tell you, you reap what you sow. You so fighting to your children because they see you fighting, then the day is going to come where they're going to become your height. They're not going to be midgets anymore. Who you think they're going to be fighting? They're not going to have a spouse to fight with, so who's next? You. I'm, I'm guaranteeing you, mama, if your children see you talking back to daddy, the day is going to come where they're going to talk back to you. And some of them already are and can't talk. Still in diapers and twisting their heads. Rolling their eyes. <laughs> Where did that come from? Who taught them that? <laughs> You're the only one raising them. <laughs> Does everybody understand that? So you see what I mean now? We have to sacrifice for our children. There was a time when we did that. Now it's this big thing of, well, you know, I, ain't, I don't agree with just staying with somebody just for children's sake. I, 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 I think that comes from the pits of hell. Does everybody understand that? Listen, I don't care. You, you can go be with 10 folks. You, at some point, you got to learn to get along with somebody. It ain't everybody else. You can go be with 10 people. You're going to have to learn them and learn to get along with somebody if you want to stay together. You're going to have to put up with something. <laughs> so ain't no use in thinking about divorce. Or if, you know, I married the wrong one, and since I married the wrong one, I'm going to go and find what? Somebody else to argue with? You're the problem. If, if there's a marriage going downhill, both people are the problem. Does everybody understand? No, you married the right one. The one that's going to help you to keep your mouth shut. The one that's going to help you to crucify flesh. That's the, that's the exact right one. <laughs> Does everybody understand that? <laughs> This generation, we have done, I feel sorry for the children, we have done them a disservice. A disservice. Making them think that the devil is the norm. I, children ought to grow up seeing their parents hug each other every day. Every day. They ought to grow up and see some kind of affection. I'm telling you that's the way it ought to be. So that when they grow up, they don't think it's icky. And somebody is <laughs> crazy for wanting to hug and hold hands. Does everybody understand? That's where we get this generation from that's claiming that some folks are too clingy. Hey, you too clingy. You want to hook every day? Who's retarded? <laughs> Does everybody understand that? 
so we create the world for our children. We, we show them the norm. We show them what's normal. And based on what you show them, that's what they're going to grow up and believe in. And you can either prepare them to be a spouse for somebody, or you can prepare them to be a headache for somebody. But either way, we as parents, we have to do better with our children and for our children's sake, the next generation. You think about what is your legacy going to be? A legacy of divorce? Where you're going to have five children and three of them didn't make it through the first marriage? Or through the second marriage? You teaching your children it's okay to just leave because something that went wrong? Because they couldn't have their way? Does everybody understand? If you know, there's a lot of people that grow up in, in that kind of dysfunction. They never get settled in life because life is always too hard. It ain't just about your spouse. It's about your boss. I don't like, the, I don't like that. Everything looks, looks like it's, dis, it's dysfunction to you. Does everybody understand? At some point, we have to give our children stability. And I'm telling you, their first sense of stability come from that home. If you knew you what you hated when you grew up and, and, and what you saw in your parents, why you repeat the same behavior? That's always been amazing to me. People hate, hated to see the dysfunction when they were growing up, and then they grow up and repeat the exact same behavior. That's not God's will. At some point, brothers and sisters, the curse have to stop with us. We can't just give up on life and just say, well, I hope Junior and them get it together because me and their daddy couldn't. I hope you have a good life. They'll have one if you give them one. If you, if you give them the blueprint, <laughs> does everybody understand that? Because children don't care about what you're preaching. They can care less about what you're telling them. Well, yeah, your sweetheart, look, 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 girl, when you grow up, you submit to your husband. And, and then they see you arguing with them, w with your husband. They, they do what they see. Not what's preached, they do what they see. Does everybody understand that? And I'm telling you, some of us, we ought to be able to, some adults ought to be able to look at their children and be afraid. Does everybody understand? If, if that's what I'm raising, Lord, am I going to make it in? Because there's no way. They, they didn't get them ways from the next door neighbor. <laughs> you don't like what's being raised in your house, what you're feeding. You look in the mirror. That's what's feeding itself. Does everybody understand that? I'm telling you, we better own our junk. We better own it. You ain't got to tell, you ain't got to wait until you see God for him to tell you that's yours. <laughs> All right, so we in the second chapter of the book of Malachi now. All right, let's start reading at verse 11. 
You got me up here preaching. <laughs> it says Judah has dealt treacherously, and an abomination is committed in Israel and in Jerusalem, for Judah hath profaned the holiness of the Lord which he loved, and hath married the daughter of a strange God. The Lord will cut off the man that doeth this, the master and the scholar, out of the tabernacles of Jacob, and him that offereth an offering unto the Lord of hosts. And this have ye done again, covering the altar of the Lord with tears, with weeping, and with crying out, insomuch that he regardeth not the offering any more, or receiveth it with good will at your hand. Isn't that something? God then said, God is telling these people, I'm, I'm tired of y'all. I don't even take you serious anymore when you come down here snotting at the front of the church. I, I don't take it serious. What is he talking about? Verse 14, yet ye say, wherefore, in other words, how? Because the Lord hath been witness between thee and the wife of thy youth against whom thou hast dealt treacherously. Yet is she thy companion and the wife of thy covenant. Everybody see that? In other words, it don't matter what kind of relationship you think you have with God. You're not going to go to heaven mistreating your wife. No way. You can forget about it. I don't care how you snotting. I don't care how you think you repenting. You're not going to heaven mistreating your wife. Is that in your Bible now? Look at what he says. Because you have dealt treacherously. Does everybody see that? Verse 15. And did not he make one? Yet had he the residue of the spirit. And wherefore one? In other words, why one? That he might seek a what? Godly seed. Does the devil know that this is in the Bible? And so the Bible says, did not he make one? In other words, he didn't, he didn't bring, it's not it's supposed to be two adults in the house. Somebody got to give up their brain and their way of thinking to the other. Oh, we, all, we can all agree on the one with flesh coming together. Because that's pleasurable to begin with. We'll make all kind of babies. <laughs> but what about the rest of the time? How is that relationship going? <laughs> Does everybody understand now? God made one at all times. Not just when intimacy is taking place. That ought not to be the highlight of your marriage. When you sleepy. <laughs> and, and drunk minded to begin with. Saying crazy stuff. <laughs> you know how it is when people get sleepy. I think that's a sad situation to be in. When the best time you get to, when the best time 
you, you get alone is when it's time to be intimate. Really, when it's time for your flesh to be satisfied in that manner. That's not a marriage. That's an arrangement. Does everybody understand now? You ought to teach your children better than that. It's a sad marriage when, when, <laughs> I'm trying to be nice about it. When you don't have to call the other person to come over. They live in there. And, and that's all you got. It ain't no, they might as well be living across town somewhere. But y'all have just decided to save some gas money. We're going to even fool ourselves into thinking we're in love enough to get married. Because we don't want the guilt. And the only time we really get along is when it's time to make babies. That's not a relationship. And you ought to paint a better picture for your offspring than that. Y'all ought to get along. Does everybody understand that? Listen, you ain't got to wait until you old and ugly and over the hill before you decide, look, ain't no more hope for me. I guess we better start talking. <laughs> Where you from again? <laughs> Does everybody understand that? Some of us, we act a fool because we think we got a chance. Somebody else won't me. <laughs> Don't live like that in your marriage. You ought to think nobody wants you but the one you with. And you ought to thank God that they put up with you. <laughs> Does everybody understand that? Because as long as there's somebody out there that can do better, that's the way you're going to live in that marriage. If you in that marriage just hoping they wake up one day and realize what a jewel they got. <laughs> they, the Lord ain't opened their eyes yet. <laughs> Does everybody understand that? That's the way I see it. Anybody that can put up with me, they deserve a gold crown. You're going to get all kinds of jewels and you, if you can live with me, God's got a blessing with your name on it. <laughs> you earning your stripes. <laughs> That's the way we should see our spouse. We ought not to take that for granted. You don't have to get divorced and then go out in the world and find out people are people. People have to grow. That people have their little quirks and things that you have to put up with, that you have to deal with. You don't have to run through 10 different people before you figure that out. That ain't nobody you but you. <laughs> Does everybody understand that? <laughs> 
So verse 15, he says, And did not he make one? Yet had he the residue of the Spirit? And wherefore one? In other words, why did he make one? That he might seek a godly seed. Does the devil know this verse? So we have in this verse the formula that it takes for there to be a godly seed. One. One. That's the formula. Not two. Not my daddy already raised me. Not I have my own mind and I, my own opinion. The Bible says he made one. That's what creates a godly, a godly seed. When they, they are not split. They don't see a split in their parents. They understand. I, whatever I tell daddy, mama's going to know about it. Whatever I tell mama, daddy's going to know about it. Mama ain't sneaking me extra candy underneath the table and telling me, don't tell your daddy. Daddy ain't giving me some money under the table for something I want to buy and telling me, well, don't tell your mama. One is what it takes for godly seed. Why? Because they don't have a choice now. I can get it from both of them. One ain't no salt. Listen, when I was growing up, my mama and my daddy, they were exactly the same. They both get with you. One of them wasn't softer than the other one. Does everybody understand that? <laughs> I'm going to tell you just how hard, you know, uh, you know, my mother, she did most of the whipping. But my daddy was just very clear. You, you don't want none of that to begin with. So don't even try. <laughs> now I'm going to tell you just how much confidence I had in my daddy that he could, he could strike this ground and send me straight to hell without dying. <laughs> <laughs> and you've, some of you have heard me tell the story before. I was sitting in church one night with him. And he had this thing, what he would do, he would sit, he always sat on the fourth bench, and he had a, a stick with him that he carried with him. And he would sit down with that stick, and he'd place it under his, under his thigh. And so it, part of it was here, and another part was coming out. And I sat on the part that was coming out, see. And so one night, a young man went up to the front to get prayed for. And when the pastor laid hands on him, the young man started manifesting. I don't want to go into all of the details of it. But most of you, you've heard me tell a story. Now you imagine, you imagine sitting in church, seeing somebody's face change, where before it was round and soft, and now it's square looking. And so this young man, his back was to the benches. And he was standing far enough up where he completely went backwards where from his knees to the top of his head was parallel to the floor, and he was still on his feet. Everybody hear that now? From his knees to his head was parallel to the floor, and he was still on his feet, standing on his feet. He didn't just stay there. 
he backed up and climbed up to the top of the bench where your back is resting. And he began, you see the distance between the benches here, the tops of the benches? He began to walk backwards, still in that position with his, where his knees to the top of his head was still parallel to the floor. And he did that several times, back and forth, down all the way to the back. And then he walked to the side. You know, he started out on one side, go all the way to the back, and he's just on that side, and then he walked that last bench. He'd walk over to that side, and then he'd come back the opposite direction. Same way. I keep stressing this. With his knees to the top of his head, parallel to the floor. And while he's moving that way, his body is doing the wave like this, where his hands are on side of his body, and he's doing this. One of the deacons there that night, he talked about how people jumped on him and tried to carry, tried, and listen, the pastor, when he got up on the bench, the pastor jumped on top of him, and he carried that man's weight that way. So when they got him off of the benches, off, off the top of them, they would grab him and pray for him. But they could only hold on to him for about five to ten seconds because they all said they felt like their life was being sucked out of their bodies. So I'm about five years old watching this. I know this is not normal. I, now, I, ain't, I know I ain't seen nothing yet, but I know this ain't normal. <laughs> and you know what I did? I turned around and I looked back at the man who I felt like could smash the ground and send me straight to hell. Okay, so you still here? You ain't took off running yet, so I'm not scared of this devil. Now, to me, that was the authority that he carried. That was the home I grew up in. There was one. Does everybody understand now? So I, I, I knew I couldn't, me and mama didn't have our little special relationship, and dad is just a heathen. Or me and daddy had our special relationship, and he, she should be glad that daddy even took her in. <laughs> and got her out of the life of whoredoms. They were one. So I didn't have nowhere to go. Back at that time, adults had sense. You tried to run away to their house, they whoop your behind and send you back. Does everybody understand now? Children need to grow up seeing their parents as one. Whatever daddy's, whatever daddy's rule is, that, that's mama's rule as well, and vice versa. Whatever mama say, that daddy's going to say the exact same thing. Why? Because they were already one before I got here, see? So the devil understands this rule. Listen, because he knows God's word, he uses it to his advantage. Trust me, you just have to believe me when I tell you, the devil believes the Bible better than you do. That's the reason why he's able to work it to his advantage. 
He believed God. He believed God with all of his heart. When God told Adam, Adam, the day that you eat of that tree, you shall surely die. The devil was counting on it. Oh, yeah, he was counting on it because he know God is not a liar. If he don't know nothing else, he know God don't lie. And so he also know this scripture. Why did God raise up for there to be one in the home? So that he could seek a godly seed. So what's the opposite of it? When mama and daddy are bumping heads against one another. It, can that seed be godly? Not at all. It's impossible. Does everybody understand that? You know... You don't have to introduce your children to God for them to act godly. They ain't got to speak in tongues before they act right. And, and I'm afraid that some of us, we've gotten so used uh, to the neck twisting, to the eye rolling, to all of that foolishness out of a two-year-old. That that's become the norm to us. It's become the norm to have to say something five times before the child realizes that you serious when I was growing up if an adult said if an adult said you come here we didn't have time to turn and look and figure out whether or not they were playing we'll find that out when we standing on your feet does everybody understand that I'm telling you there's something wrong when you can't control what you feeding. I wish I would feed something that didn't take orders. <laughs> Does everybody, that's not the way my mind, I can't process that. <laughs> Does everybody understand that? I refuse. Tell you what, the day you decide to stop taking orders, you better have a job and a place to stay and have decided don't ever come around me because I don't care if you're 50. If I'm two years older than my child, you're going to do what I say. <laughs> Does everybody understand that? <laughs> Does everybody understand? You don't stop being somebody's child because you're grown. <laughs> so that, but this is the way we have to raise children. You respect me even when you get grown. I can't control what you do when you get grown and you go out in the world, but when you come around me, act like I raised you with some sense. And so most of us will agree that we want our children to be a godly seed. Notice it, notice it doesn't say to be saved. It says to be a godly seed. There's a difference. Because at this time there was no such thing as salvation. So what is he talking about? Children that's just going to follow the way and the pattern that have been laid out for them. Children that's not double-minded, that don't ha have in their mind, I can't wait until I get grown, or I can't wait until I do this or that. Does everybody understand that? 
in their minds, whatever world you create for that child, that's all they know. Does everybody understand that? Look at what that says, verse 15 again. And did not he make one? Yet had he the residue of the spirit. And wherefore one? In other words, why did he make one? That he might seek a godly seed. Now look at what he says. Therefore, take heed to what? To what now? Now that shows you where the treachery comes from. Does everybody understand that? That shows you where the treachery comes from. To the spirit of a man. Does everybody understand? Look at what it says. Take heed. Does everybody understand what he's saying there? Pay attention, in other words. Pay attention to your spirit. So when you have, when you have men who are mistreating their wives in, in any fashion, their spirit is not right. That's where that come from. Does everybody understand that? Look what it says, therefore, take heed to your spirit and let none deal treacherously against the wife of who? Of what now? Everybody see that? Verse 16, look what that says. For the Lord, the God of Israel, saith that he what? Hateth what? He hates divorce. I don't care what reason you put on it. I don't care what reason you come up in your mind to divorce, God still hates it. You can say, my husband was abusive, my wife was abusive, yes, and God still hates it. You can put whatever excuse you want to put on your on your divorce decree irreconcilable differences a family abandonment whatever you want to put on it God still hates it you know why because he knows what it's going to produce in the offspring he knows it does everybody understand that and I'm telling you we as adults we have to have some kind of foresight to be able to see what is this going to do for my children? Do you know? We live in a generation where people don't want to change. And we'll get to that in a little bit. You, you have a husband and wife. For whatever reason, they don't get along. And they can blame it on when well, my husband is this way or my wife is that way. My question is this. Why don't you change? You know, somebody's, when you're on the road to divorce, somebody's mind has to change. Does everybody understand that? But we live in a generation where people think they already, they, you know, we just get together and get married and ain't neither one of us got to change. You are who you are and I am who I am. I'm telling you, there's some change that need to take place. 
if you got the same mindset in your marriage that you had when you go sing, when, that you had when you were single, guess what? The day is coming where you're gonna be single. You gonna follow your mind. If you have the same mindset that you had when you were single as, and you're married now, the day is coming where you're not going to be married. Because when two people get married, there has to be adjustments made. Does everybody understand that? I, I like this bar of soap. My wife might not like the bar of soap that's got the Brillo pads in it. <laughs> so it, it's not my job as a man to pray over her when she sleep. Lord, help her to accept because that dove is expensive. Lord, you know better than anybody. <laughs> don't get married if you can't buy the other bar of soap <laughs> does everybody understand that and you ain't got to get mad about it just have two bars up there But you know, this kind of, uh, and I'm using that as an example, this is the kind of mindset that breaks marriages. It, it'll break a marriage. If you ain't just like me, we can't be together. Does everybody understand that? So the Bible understands that there is, you know, that woman that have agreed, I, I believe, most women, when they get married, they have agreed to, to at least try to follow the word and be submissive to their husbands. But husbands, here's the thing you have to keep in mind. This is something that's brand new for most of them. Look at all the sisters that stood up when I asked about the broken homes. So you think they're used to submitting to male authority? They, they have to get acclimated to that. that. That's something they have to learn. You've always been brutish. You've always ran your own world. They have to get used to. This is a new way of living. Notice how the Lord in this, these scriptures, he's addressing the husband. Don't you deal treacherously with her. Does everybody understand that? Because if you love her like you're supposed to, she'll line up. Love will make her soft. Does everybody understand that? But if you treat her like a man, that's what you're going to get. You deal treacherously with her. She's going to, listen, she responds the way she's treated. Does everybody understand that? Do you know in the Bible when two people got married, when a, when a, when a man married a woman, he had to have at least one year of income saved up? You know why? Because he was not allowed to work the first year. The way God put it was basically in our language, y'all go off for a year and husband, you make that wife fall in love with you. 
Does everybody understand that? Listen, the honeymoon was for a whole year. That was to establish we ain't never, we never going our separate ways. We have a whole year with just us. But now what happened? Honeymoon, what, three days? And what is it? Back to work because we got these bills to pay. No wonder marriages don't work. Ain't nothing been established. Ain't, ain't nobody been through nothing together. And listen, when you go through things together, it's designed to build you. Does everybody understand that? But what happens if you're not sober-minded, the very things that's meant to build you will tear you apart. Ask anybody that's gone through something and still lived through it to tell about it. Does everybody understand now? So he tells us not to deal treacherously with the wife of our youth. He also tells us husbands not to be bitter against our wives. You know what that tells me? They, they might do some stuff where you'll be tempted to become bitter. You're the man. You're not supposed to be led by your emotions. That's the reason why the devil have made sure homes were broken so that young boys get coddled by their mothers and get in touch with this so-called feminine side. And then when they get and they marry a woman, they just as emotional as she is. And so they just they can be just as catty. Now it's the man giving the silent treatment. It used to, that used to just be a woman thing. Not no more. The man got his own corner. He can go into now. I'm in my feelings. I ain't got to talk to you for the next week. When a man called himself punishing his wife. How in the world you think you punishing your wife? You're going to get to the point where she, it's a privilege for her, for you to shut up. You ain't punishing her by being quiet. Thank God so now I can hear from the Lord. Does everybody understand that? That's a female trait. <laughs> I'm going to punish you by not talking to you. You better hope she don't get used to it. <laughs> and the same devil is telling you to be quiet what is he going to do next when, when she done got used to it I wonder who she talking to does everybody understand that now so I'm trying to show you this is what happens when we come from broken homes we don't see the balance that we need to see so is it any wonder us coming from broken homes, we grow up and our marriage is dysfunctional? Does everybody understand now? Let's read verse 16. It says, For the Lord, the God of Israel, said that he hateth putting away, for one covereth violence with his garment, said the Lord of hosts. Therefore, take heed to your spirit that ye deal not what? Treacherously. Everybody see that?
I'm telling you, we as husbands, we have to be watchful of how we're treating our wives. You're not going to go to heaven mistreating your wife. You're not going to go to heaven not loving her. Does everybody understand that? You're not going to make it. If, if you don't love that wife, you're not going to make it to heaven. There's no way. Does everybody understand? God have created you to be logic, not to be led by your emotions. So you have the ability to get over stuff faster than she does. It's your job to come to the place of righteousness before she does. And stay there. Be still. Does everybody understand that? But if your emotions, if she's arguing and fighting and fussing on the inside and then she bringing it to you and then you get all emotional and you doing the same thing, neither one of y'all are in the right place. And you'd be a fool to think that she need to get there first. Trust me, she submitted whether you realize it or not. She's following you. Your lead. Does everybody understand that? So, <laughs> we're not bringing this up to really talk about marriage. We're bringing this up to talk about the product, our children. And what we've created. When we disobey God's word as husband and wife, we create little monsters. I say we create monsters. <laughs> You might think your child is cute, you ha but ask everybody else. <laughs> Does everybody understand that? We all give our children grace. We all think they're cute when they're ugly as a dog. <laughs> because we think we're cute. Couldn't nothing ugly come from here? <laughs> but ask... <laughs> Ask a non-biased person. <laughs> what did Junior act like when he was when you were watching him? You see him up there hanging on the wall? Get on up that ladder and get him down. <laughs> That's our fault. And we can't be the kind of parent, can't nobody tell us nothing about our child. Because listen, when nobody can tell you, nothing the judge will tell you. Five to ten. <laughs> You'll listen then. Does everybody understand now? So God hates divorce. All of the adults in here stood up when one of the two questions was asked, as far as I could see. Now, here's the thing. When husband and wife is not getting along or baby daddy, baby mama, whoever, whatever category you fall in, is not getting along, then that child is going to pick sides. They're going to know that there's a division. And now, since there's not one the way that they're supposed to be, they're going to pick sides. They're going to choose. And listen, 
They're not going to choose. Let me, let me tell you something about children. Uh, they're not going to choose what's the best for them. All of you adults, for the most part, you stood up when you were asked about those two questions that was asked earlier. My question to you is, if both of your parents are still living, who do you feel the closest to? Who do you feel the closest to? And then that'll tell you something about you. Does everybody understand that? Who do you talk to the most? Both of them ain't kissing up your behind. Usually you're going to have one parent that's making you toe the line. When you get up out of that bed, you go wash your face, brush your teeth, comb your hair, make that bed up. You're going to get dressed. I don't care if you ain't got nothing to do for the rest of the day. You get dressed and act like you're going somewhere. You ain't going to lay in bed till 9 o'clock every morning. When that sun up, you be up. When you get up, it's got chickens to feed, cows to milk. Your little brother going to need to be changed. These are things you're going to need to do. That's going to be one parent. What's the other one like? What's the one you like? What are they like? You come over here, it's just popcorn and movies. Because the reality is, I'm Peter Pan, and I don't want to grow up. <laughs> Life is supposed to be fun. Aren't you glad you're coming over here to visit and getting away from that dictator? And if you're not careful, some of you sitting in here now, <laughs> you think that soft parent, that parent that didn't make you toe the line, they really loved you. When the reality was, you were just a pawn in their game that they had against your other parent. They were using you to hurt them. Because what other way, what better way to hurt than me to send both of our offspring straight to hell? And ain't nothing you can do about it. Because I know for a fact they're going to choose the easy life. <laughs> so you see how we create monsters. I have seen people divorce and, and, and get along and co-parent their children having the same rules. There isn't such thing. But that's, that's very, very rare. If you have your Bibles, let's go to the 13th chapter of the book of Proverbs. And we're going to start reading at verse 24. Is everybody there? 
Let's start reading now. 13th chapter, book of Proverbs, verse 24. What does it say now? He that spareth his rod, what does he do? What does he do now? What does that say? Does everybody see that? Is God a liar? That parent that don't make you toe the line, the reason they don't is because they hate you. Is that in your Bible? So my question is, why are you so close to the parent that hates you? You can get away with murder. They'll help you bury the body. And you think they're your friend. They understand you. You got mamas today trying to outrun their daughters, showing up in the same club, in the same clothes, and thinking they're friends. You know, when I was growing up, listen, parents, the, the Lord didn't give you children for them to be your new set of friends. You cannot be a parent and a friend at the same time. Because at some point, you're going to have to tell them something they don't want to hear. When I was growing up, the old people used to tell the younger people, go be friends with people your age. Go find some people your age. And that's what the Lord is telling the parents today sitting in this room. Go find some friends your age. And quit making little monsters out of your children. Making them think that they own everybody else's level. You get your feelings hurt. <laughs> they come around me sideways. Does everybody understand that? I'm telling you, I'm, I'm from that old generation. I don't whoop people's children unless I think I can whoop their daddy, their mama, and their grandparents. <laughs> Does everybody understand that? Because you know nowadays you got a fight on your hands. <laughs> and I say this, you don't want nobody popping your children, raise them right. That's the fix. Not to keep them at home. <laughs> Not to try to keep them under you. Because the day going to come, they're going to wander off. And somebody going to have to get with them. Then you're going to have to pray and ask the Lord to give you grace. Lord, now I got to go to church with this individual. <laughs> you better get over it. Do they ever understand that? So this Bible says, look at what it says, and I'm glad the Lord put it that way. He that spareth the rod. This isn't talking about people necessarily that don't whoop the children. You just sparing it. You ain't whooping them every time they need one. That's what that's talking about. You spare it one time, you're a sparer of the rod. 
You see your child misbehave, you need to get with them. The Bible says if you spare the rod, you hate your child. You know why? Because another scripture says to beat your child, if you beat them, you'll deliver their soul from hell. So a parent that spared a rod, they participating in the hell leasing program. You done bought a piece of property there with your child's name on it. I hope you hear the Lord loud and clear. That's the reason why it's important for us adults to heal and get over our childhood. We need to pick and choose who we were supposed to pick and choose. If mom and daddy ain't on one accord even today, we need to figure out which one loved us and which one hated us. <laughs> I hope you hear it now. Because some of you, you think it's cute to be close to the one that hated you. Does everybody understand? Let's go real briefly to the 12th chapter of the book of Hebrews. So can everybody now see why this is a cursed generation? So I'm trying to take you, uh, the Lord is trying to take you through this progression. Man and woman are not one, and so then they raise children in that manner. And because they are not one, they cause the children to pick and choose which parent they really want to follow. Does everybody understand that now? And because nine times out of ten, they're going to be closer to the one that was doing the most for them, that was giving them what they want, that wasn't really hard on them the way they were supposed to be. It puts God in a peculiar predicament. Is everybody there, the 12th chapter of the book of Hebrews? All right, let's start. Let's start reading at verse 3. It says, For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. What did he do now? He endured. Lest ye be weary and faint where? In your minds. Verse 4. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin, and ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. What was the exhortation? My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. Who is he talking to? People who have grown up in split homes who have already decided who's the good parent and who's the bad parent. Which one really loves me and which one don't? The one that let me get my way, that's the one I'm going to be close to. 
And then at some point, these individuals in their hearts and their minds come to God. They become a part of a ministry that don't hold back and don't sugarcoat God's word. And so now God looks like the big bad wolf. You know why? Because he's also the parent that's going to make you toe the line. And so now following God is not easy. That's, this is hard. Listen, it ain't hard for somebody that was raised with a God. It ain't hard for somebody who knew their daddy would split this earth open and send you straight to hell. That's not hard at all. God is just part two of the whole thing. <laughs> Does everybody understand it? This ain't new to me. <laughs> Does everybody understand? See, the devil's job is to, to get you as far away and, as, and as, as twisted in your mind as he can concerning what true love is. That's his job. So by the time you come to God, God does not look like a loving father. He looks like a bully. He, you know, he act like... You know, I ain't got no choice. You mean to tell me I got to do what this word say? That wouldn't, that, that wouldn't be brand new to you. If both of your parents loved you and you had to toe the line no matter who house, whose house you were going to spend the night in, that wouldn't look, that wouldn't look like something just way out, this, out of this world somewhere. If chores were just an everyday life thing to you, that, that wouldn't look, that would seem, God wouldn't seem strange at all, you see. And I, I'm talking to you, you parents. You, if you want to set your children up to go to heaven, you make your house the way God would make it. Treat your children the way God would treat them. You be good, I'll reward you. You be bad, I got something for that too. But either way, it's all love. You're a child. You're going, you're, you're going to get rebuked. This is a part of life. I don't hate you because I'm telling you how to live and what to do. That's the reason why so many people hate, don't like 3 o'clock now. Th that's the reason why grown folks don't like structure now. Now, if I don't know anything else about God, I know he's a structured God. He's not the author of confusion, I can tell you that. Does everybody understand that? <laughs> My God tell me to be sober-minded. Does everybody understand? So let's read now. Verse 5 again, and ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. Does everybody see that? You understand what that means there? Don't be discouraged. Don't act like it's the end of the world when you are rebuked. Does everybody understand? You know that's a part of life? You, you know you didn't come here all set to go to heaven. But you know that parent that hates you, you know they drilled in you, you ain't got to change a bit. You ain't got to change. 
me and your mama divorced when you were 10 years old, you could stay exactly the same. I ain't going to challenge you in no kind of way to grow because there ain't no room for you to grow. And so now, when they come to the Lord, see, they're they going home to visit the other parent, or they're going to stay with the other parent. What's the other parent doing? Th that's a dictator. Every time I come over here, I got to do something. You mean to tell me I got to help wash dishes? I'm not even here all the time. <laughs> Does everybody understand? And that's the reason why, even to this day, there are people sitting in this room who have a hard time with being told how to live righteously. Does everybody understand that? Somebody told you that you can come to the God of the universe and not change. He's just going to accept your slop. So we look at it like, well, this is an insult. What you mean to tell me when I get saved, I got to change? Where is that at in the Bible? You mean to tell me I got to grow? <laughs> what kind of religion is this? <laughs> Does everybody understand that? Then my question is, how do you think you're saved? What did you repent of when you are already okay? What did you come to God for? This building is not a social club for sinners. <laughs> this is a place where people come to be healed of all of their junk. This is where people come when they know the stuff I was living on the outside of these walls, that, that it was raggedy. It's something about me that need to change because I'm seeing the same stuff play out in my life over and over again, and I'm tired of it. See, that's, that's what this is for. So you come to the wrong building when you want to socialize, when you want to touch and agree with other sinners who are like-minded. <laughs> yeah, this is the wrong place. Now, they got churches out there for you. They got sewing clubs. You can learn to knit and all that stuff. But here, you're going to learn to act right. <laughs> we don't care how good you can knit this floor here. <laughs> that don't get you to heaven. Does everybody understand that? God wants to sew that heart together. Let's keep reading now. Verse 6. Let's read verse 5 again. It says, And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. Everybody see that? As unto who now? Children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord. Everybody see that? You see what that says there? It tells you not to despise it. Don't hate it. Let everybody see. 
Look at what it says now. No faint when thou art rebuked of him. Does everybody see that? In other words, don't, you know, some people you rebuke them, they just throw their hands on them and just give up. I just, I just ain't going to get it right. Lord, I'm just, I'm just not ordained to eternal life. That's people that's fainting in their minds. And it's also witchcraft because God don't care about you, your little hissy fit. <laughs> Does everybody understand that? I promise you that God ain't moved by that at all. Does everybody understand? We all started off in the same place. <laughs> Blind and naked. All of us. Does everybody understand? Let's go and keep reading now. Look at what that says. Verse 6. For whom the Lord loveth, what does he do? Because, you know why? Because the one that don't love you, the one that hates you, don't chasten you. Does everybody understand that? But if God loves you, just like if a parent loves you, they're going to chasten you. Does everybody understand? Look what he says there. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every... Scourgeth who now? Who? Whom what? If he received you, he's going to whoop you. If he ain't whooping you, he ain't received you. Does everybody understand? You ought to rejoice when you get whipped. Because at least you know God care about you and you still in his graces. But the day he stopped correcting you, that you in trouble. Does everybody understand? All right, let's go and keep reading now. Verse 7, if ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. Everybody see that? For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Everybody see that now? And, that, and that's pretty much the world. And any so-called believer that's sitting in church that ain't being chastened by the Lord. Does everybody understand that? You know there are people in this world that God is not whipping? There are people in this world that God can do all kinds of stuff and God ain't got nothing to say about it. All he did was created a hell for them to go to. There are people in this world, they're getting away with all kinds, in their minds, all kinds of stuff. And then there are people, every time you do something wrong, that Holy Spirit is there to, to rebuke you. You think a wrong thought on Wednesday, you're going to hear from this pulpit on Sunday. Everybody understand that? Now, you can either learn to love the way God loves you <laughs> or you're going to get bitter about it. We're going to get to that. Let's go and keep reading. Verse 9. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them what? Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the father of who? Spirits and do what? Live. Your daddy might not have killed you. 
But he's saying it so if you can accept your daddy whooping you and not get mad and bitter about it, shouldn't you much rather accept when God come with his belt? Who's the father of spirits? And for your sake, you'll live. You can't call the cops on him. Does everybody understand that? Let's go and keep reading. Verse 10. For they barely for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of what? His holiness. So you see the rebuke, the scourging that comes from God is all designed to get you on that road of holiness. Let's go and keep reading. Now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous. Everybody say, can we all agree with that? Now, I, I'd be a liar if I stood up here and say, I really like when God with my behind. My day, I ain't had a good day. If the Lord ain't hung, hung his boot up my behind, I, I can't smile until that happened. If he don't come and pluck me upside my head about something, I just don't know what I'm going to do. This Bible says it, 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 there's no pleasure in it now. Everybody see that? It, it, it's not joyous when you're going through it, is it? Let's go and keep reading. But grievous, everybody see that? Listen, when God get a hold of you, there's going to be some grief. Oh, yeah, it's going to be some grief. Let's go and keep reading now. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of what? Righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Everybody see that? That's what you learn to love. That's, that's, that, that's what you learn to love. It, it's not meant to be joyous in the present. Nobody likes getting whipped. But you know what? We also don't like the idea of being out of, out of fellowship with God. We don't like thinking that God done gave up on us and we're on our way to hell. So we don't want to be tormented with that. We like to know, we like to see how our life have changed over time. Because of the leather that God comes with. So if you're one of those people, you're still going through the same cycle over and over again, it's because you have not accepted the chastisement of the Lord. You know, a child can do something, a child can steal something, and you can whoop them and give, I mean, give them a good one. And they'll grow up and they'll never steal again. Listen, if they accept the chastisement, but if they don't accept, accept the chastisement, you can beat them and beat them and beat them. They'll never give in. And when they grow up, they'll vow every chance I get. Every time I go in the store, I'm going to steal. It's not that they weren't raised better. They just did not receive the chastisement. And so a lot of people's problem, even sitting in this room, God whipped you. But you stay the same because you don't receive it. Does everybody understand that? You thinking God is telling you to fall in love with that belt. No, he's not telling you to fall in love with the belt. But you need to understand he's doing it for your good. He don't want to lose you for an eternity. 
And when you accept the chastisement of the Lord, it changes you. Look what he says. Verse 12, wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight the path for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be what? Healed. Everybody understand what he's saying there? Get over it. When God whoop you, don't pout about it. Don't make yourself a victim. Does everybody understand now? Verse 14, look at what it says. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. So we're reading this all together because we want you to see how all of this goes together. When people do not accept the chastisement of the Lord, they become bitter and they defile other people. Do they understand that? Where did this start off at? It being two parents in a home instead of one. I say it being two parents instead of them coming together and being on one accord. That's where it starts. And even some of the children in here today have already been started off on the foot that you were started off on. You could think, well, I grew up in a one-parent home, but it was just my mama, just my daddy, so at least I'm still married. At least nothing. At least nothing. If your brain is divorced, from who your head is, you still divorced. You still gonna raise an ungodly seed. Does everybody understand now? You can say that all you want. God's not impressed with you sticking it out. But God intends for you to be one. Not just barely not killing each other every day. Does everybody understand that? So don't think you're doing your children a favor by staying with a raggedy parent. You need to become that. You need to be one with them. Does everybody understand? Look what it says, verse 16. Now, this is where the devil wants to take people. So when bitterness springs up in a person whose God is correcting all the time, look at what it says. They, they, not only do they defile other people, it says, verse 16, lest there be any what? Fornicator or what? profane person as who Esau who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright in other words not faithful to anything can get up and go at any moment not faithful in nothing can't stick stake it out nowhere soon as life get a little hard I'm out of here God don't intend for me to live a hard life Does everybody, when your children see you don't honor covenant, they're going to grow up being covenant breakers. I ain't got to pay my bills. These people know we're in a pandemic. 
Does everybody understand that? Got the money in the bank to pay the bills, but I'm going to apply for all kind of debt relief. This is my time. I ain't faithful in nothing. Does everybody understand? Look what it says. Now, what, what was Esau's end? Verse 17. For ye know how that afterwards. After what? He got bitter. What did Esau grow up seeing? His mama playing favorites. His mama sneaking Jacob candy under the table. His mama teaching Jacob how to lie, how to live up to his name. Does everybody understand that? That's what, that's what he grew up seeing. Old, old man Isaac, he can barely see, he can barely walk and talk. He, look at him. He even got to lean over on a cane to bless anybody. But mama's spunky. She get around good. She can still drive. Does everybody see that? Mama set Jacob up for a hard life. Did y'all hear what I said now? Yeah, that mama, she set Jacob up for a hard life. And at some point, God, God decided to change his name. You're not going to be a supplanter anymore. You're not going to be sneaky. We need to change your name to something else so you can start living up to it. Does everybody see that? But see, it was too late for Esau. He had already saw. You know, I, I, y'all told me about the miracle that took place when my grandfather Abraham wanted to look for daddy a wife and how all of this come together. And now he done brought all of this together and, and you can still play daddy like he's a fool? No, I don't believe in covenant at all. Not at all. And so when chastisement came, he got bitter. When he had to go through a little something, he got bitter. And, and basically what he did, he sold his soul for temporary pleasure. Verse 17, for ye know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was what? Rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it Carefully with what? So now we're right back in the second chapter of the book of Malachi to start the cycle all over again. I'm down here at the altar, snotting, crying, and God ain't accepting it because my heart ain't really in it. So now I'm going to be bitter. I'm going to go out and I'm going to get married. I'm going to have children. Me and a mama ain't going to get along. We're going to raise the same brats I was when I was growing up. And part of my punishment is going to be living to be old to see it play out in my grandchildren and great-grandchildren. You see the cycle now? You got one generation down at the altar snotting and crying out to God and God not accepting it. And then the children get raised up and do the exact same thing. Does everybody see? You see why this generation is cursed now? I'm telling you, at some point, we got to make up our mind that that curse st stops with us. We raise our children in, in, in the way that God wants them to be raised. We love them and we chastise them. We correct them when they need to be corrected. 
we get out of our feelings about it. Does everybody understand that? And beyond that, we love God with our whole heart so we can carry out his orders regardless of how we feel. That's the only hope for children. You know why? Because now the stuff done got so crazy. I say crazy. Where children are being taught, yeah, you got a little female anatomy, but you're really a boy. You got a little boy anatomy, but you're really a girl, just however you feel. Isn't that something now? Well, you know what started that? When mom and daddy wasn't in their roles. Yeah, that's what it was. I said, that's exactly what it was. Mama wearing the pants and daddy wearing the skirt. What, what, why would the child identify? What makes a little boy want to be a man when he see mama running him? If that's who's running the house, I, I guess I need to be a little girl. Because I want to grow up and be a bulldozer like mama. <laughs> Everybody see? Yeah, the confusion started in church. <laughs> that's where the, the gender identity crisis come from. Does everybody understand? Women standing up here barking like I am. And so how can the world, when the light of this world has been put out, what can they follow? When the church got an identity crisis going on, how in the world, you, you can't look at them, they doing, they following suit. Does everybody understand that now? So that's the reason why judgment begins at the house of God. Chastisement begins there. If we get right, if we put our foot down on God's truth, if, if the people that are here act the way they're supposed to act, we can be a light to the world. But when you got women sitting in church that still got an issue with authority, how in the world are you going to raise righteous seed? How in the world? Don't you know, sisters, you're your, your, your children's authority as well? You, you know you training Mike Tyson to fight you? Does everybody understand that? Yeah, you raising pit bulls. You raising Rottweilers. You can feed them now because you can afford it. But the day is going to come when you come out to their little dog pen, you're going to be looking like a turkey leg. Does everybody understand that? Yeah. It, it, <laughs> the best way to kill a monster is not feed it. Does everybody understand that? Yeah, that's the best way, see. And so we have to stop this cycle that, that has been started. I'm talking about in our family in our generation. We have to stop the cycle. If you saved, act like it. How do you act like it? Follow God's word. You ain't got to know all the repercussions for not following. I'm telling you to follow it. Does everybody understand that? All right, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this word that we've heard today.
God, we ask that you will help us to take heed to what we've heard. Lord, whatever the devil have sown into our family, into the roots, Lord, we ask that you will dig it up. Lord, we ask that you will help us to accept your word, to lay down our own will, Lord, and to receive your word, O oh God. God, we thank you so much for loving us enough to chastise us when we need to be chastised. Lord, we ask that you will help our minds to be renewed concerning your chastisement. Help us not to faint. Help us not to be weary, Lord. But help us to take our chastisement as dear sons and daughters of you. Lord, we pray that you will put us in a position for our minds to be renewed. Forgive us, Lord, for holding on to old mindsets for wanting to cater to flesh. God, we pray that you would just have your way in our lives. Lord, those things that we rejected in the past when you were chastising us, God, we ask that you will bring it back around for us. Help us to receive your word, Lord. We pray over every individual that's under the sound of my voice. We command every spirit that's not of God to come out. Every spirit that's not of you, God. We ask that you will set these people free. Help us, Lord, to have a renewed heart and mind towards your things so that we can honor you and praise you in our bodies. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. All righty. We thank you all for being here today. We look forward to hearing the testimonies that others may have concerning this message. All right, if that's all now, we'll go ahead and dismiss you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ.